Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and this is the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while you create wealth for the long term. And on today's show, we have a current client of ours. His name is Lance, and I wanted to bring him on as a bit of a case study because this guy is only 26 years old. He started investing at the age of 22. He's on track to close on his seventh property this year. Uh, he'll potentially have eight by the end of the year, and he plans to buy a whole lot more next year. So he's really following our philosophy and our advice of buying prudent, income-producing properties in markets that make sense, that cash flow from day one, and he's diversifying according to the strategy that we've laid out for all of our investors, all our clients. But he's really just jumped in and made it work, and he's had great success but he's also an analytical person who likes to do his research and due diligence. And as Ronald Reagan used to say, trust but verify. Well, that's exactly what Lance does. So I'm going to have him on here in 30 seconds. So just stay tuned. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome one of our clients. His name is Lance. He's one of our youngest clients. I believe he's 26 years old and he's got some very clear and aggressive real estate investing goals, which is just fantastic. I wanted to bring him on the show today as a bit of a case study to share his experience with investing, not only on his own, but even through our network at Norada Real Estate Investments. And I'm sure he'll be able to share some tips and some ideas for you today. Uh, his name is Lance. So Lance, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Marco. Hey, it's my pleasure. You are one of our youngest real estate investors at the age of 26. And we have had clients from the ages of 19 all the way up to their 60s. So it's quite a, a wide range. But, you know, you started off quite young, as I recall. Um, I remember you contacted us it was actually my birthday in January of this year. So January of 2015 is, is uh, when you had first called our office. I like you to share with our listeners how you got started in real estate investing, you know, where it all began and how it progressed. Cause I know you started off at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's funny. I always knew when I was younger that I was going to get into real real estate investing at, at some point, whether it was, you know, residential, commercial, wasn't exactly sure where, um, you know, my family owned some real estate. So I thought, you know, at, it was, it was a good investment. Um, so when I was 22, I actually made my first purchase and I, um, I purchased a townhouse. And at the time, um, you know, it was a place that I would live in. And I also was looking for, Hey, you know, if I move out of this place, I want to make sure that it would be cash flow positive. So those were, that was kind of my only criteria. And at the time, I was thinking, okay, you know, here's an investment I'm going to make, and 30 years from now, it's probably going to pay off, and that's when I'll really make make the money. 
So I purchased it and, uh, and, you know, shortly after I ended up getting moved for work um, and I rented it out and I, I, you know, I ended up, I did pretty well on it. I probably at the end of it all ended up netting almost $200, probably $150 to $200 a month throughout the course of owning it. And, you know, where it really paid off was earlier this year when I sold it and, uh, and, and I had a lot of appreciation from it and I used it to buy more real estate. But that was my first taste of it. And I remember thinking to myself when it started cash flowing, I was like, this is really cool that I'm making money every month passively without really doing anything. So that's kind of where it all began and it really started to excite me. And it's funny, after that, I, I was looking for more properties I wanted to purchase. And it took me a couple of years to, to, to buy another property mainly because, you know, really my time with my job and I was moving a lot and, you know, just really busy with work. So that's kind of how it started and that's really what excited me and that's kind of where it, it took off from there. So you were 22 at that time and that was in California? Yes. That, that property? Okay, so you you were at the right place at the right time. You experienced a lot of capital appreciation um, and then was it a conscious decision to sell that property and take the equity out or or did the greed factor come in and you just thought okay I should take my 150,000 cash out and run you know it, it was the capital appreciation so I had no idea it would appreciate like that um, you know my thoughts were I was so focused on kind of the rental portion of it and I've seen how cyclical the markets are and it goes up and down so I pretty much said hey I have money in this and I ran my own calculations and said hey, I can get a better return somewhere else so that's why I decided to sell it I said you know I don't want to be so greedy as to wait and try to you know pinch out every penny and try to get lucky and get the market when it was at the top I basically said hey I'm gonna be happy where it is and, and take take my good luck and, and take it elsewhere yeah um, a lot of people start off that way and become accidental millionaires because they just don't realize that the market will do what it does and over time, all of a sudden, they are equity rich. So you bought another property sometime between age 22 and, uh, and before you contacted us. Is that, is that right? Yep. Yeah. So, I, so it was um, when I was, oh, it was probably almost two years ago at this point, probably about a year and a half or so. So it took me a few years after I purchased that property to pick up the second one. And like I was saying, I was, it took, it really, you know, I had the money. It kind of took me a while just because of my time and having to evaluate and look at properties and walk them and see what type of work they needed and things like that. Because, you know, outside of turnkey, you don't really, you don't, you don't find properties that are just ready to go, you know, fully remodeled, don't need anything, any work. And, you know, they're cash flow positive and they run out really well. So it took me a while and, my next investment, I went multifamily. Um, I not, don't necessarily know why exactly, but it was kind of following the, the house hack mentality of buy a multifamily place, you can live in a unit. So that's kind of the direction I took. So I bought a fourplex in Southern California and lived in a unit. And I was only there for a short period of time before I was relocated for work again. I've, I've moved a bunch of places, kind of a, a trend, all good things with a good career. Um, and so when I moved again, you know, the, the place was, you know, it was cash flow positive. What was funny about it, though, is I thought it was going to be much more cash flow positive than it was. And, and it was kind of a good experience for me because the first place I bought, 
was actually fully remodeled mainly because the loan required it was a foreclosure and the loan required the bank to replace a lot of things. So I mean that that was in great condition and it was a great time to buy. So with this property, I was expecting similar kind of returns out of it, cash flow wise, and I ended up learning a very valuable lesson about maintenance, especially maintenance, and then vacancy as well. On the maintenance side, the place needed a lot of work. Um, a lot of things came up. You know, I was hit with you know a five thousand dollar bill on different electrical issues, things like that. So that was a good learning experience in terms of due diligence and how conservative your uh, your numbers are. And on the vacancy side, it also kind of wet my appetite for my risk tolerance. How risky do I want to be? This was not in the best area. As a result, there was a lot of tenant turnover. Um, I learned that you know multifamilies in general are going to have a different type of tenant turnover than a single family residence. But also in that type of area, I've dealt with evictions. I've dealt with tenants that have just kind of walked out, leaving the place trashed, things like that. So a lot of those things were learning experiences, just kind of a trial and error type of thing. So that was my, my second investment. <laughs> so on, on that second investment, you underestimated what you were budgeting for a vacancy factor, and you also underestimated uh, what you should have or budget for maintenance and repairs. Yep, exactly. Okay, so that was a maybe a hard or costly lesson right from the get-go. Yep. Now, that was that a fixer-upper that you bought, or was it... Was it livable, rent-ready? It was livable, rent-ready. Everything was rented out when I purchased it, um, but it had a lot of deferred maintenance. So it, okay. didn't, it didn't need any remodeling. There was just certain, certain things, I guess, that, that were needed on it that had to be repaired. Okay. So I purchased it. I put probably, I think it was eight to $10,000 into it, which I planned for. Um, but then it was, it was much more than that as I was, you know, as I was in there longer. So... Overall, where it nets out, I'm I'm probably fairly neutral. Maybe a little bit on the. I, I'm a little bit positive, but almost neutral. So luckily, <laughs> luckily it's not negative. Um, but that's so, that's solely it's it's it was so off what I expected solely because of those maintenance and vacancy estimates mm-hmm. I had that were totally off. Okay. So one thing we talk about on this show is the difference between active and passive investing. Active investing being along the lines of rolling up your sleeves and doing you know most, if not all, of the work from finding the deal, making that acquisition. Often, you know, you jump in and, and write up a scope of work and do the renovations, and maybe you're managing it, maybe you're not, but you're heavily involved, um, deeply invested, and often taking on much of the risk versus a passive real estate investment. Whereas, you know, it's it's a done with you model, not so much a done for you model, at least with us, that's the way we operate. Um, so why did you choose to buy turnkey properties? What? Wh- how did you even find out about a turnkey investment property? So to be honest, this experience taught me that I do not want to be an active real estate investor. That was just not for me. Um, I, you know, I was at this point thinking, you know, I'm going to invest locally and California is a really expensive market. And the more I looked, I realized, man, these numbers just suck. They just suck. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to buy stuff that was more ready to go. I wanted, and at the time, at the very beginning, I thought, Hey, you know, I need to maybe buy a place and actually remodel it and know it's good. 
So I started just uh, doing a lot of research. I jumped on bigger pockets and got really involved and found out about turnkey properties. And I did a lot of research. I mean, I reached out to you in January, but I knew about you for probably six to eight months before that. So I spent a lot of time researching and I found out about turnkey and I literally thought, this is exactly what I want. You know, I, I don't want to buy a place, remodel it, deal with the risk, the hassle, the time. I wanted to buy a place that was ready to go. And in turn for that, I'm, a, I'm aware of the differences in active and passive. And I said, you know, I, I'm not trying to buy a place nickel and dime how much, you know, I can make off a flip, things like that. that that's a business. I, I'm not looking for another business. I'm looking for an investment. So that's how I viewed it. So after I found the turnkey, I did a lot of research. I called a lot of uh, a few different turnkey companies. And, and one of the things I've, I've learned from the turnkey experience is there's a lot of you know, shady turnkey companies. There's a lot of companies that there's a lot of bad stories that I've read about on bigger pockets. So that taught me how much due diligence I had to do for the process. And I saw your your name actually specifically kept popping popping up on bigger pockets. And I actually remember the first conversation I had with you in January. And I think at the end of it, I told you I was like, I'm definitely working with you. I, I, I well, I already knew you were reputable and well respected, and you had a really good reputation. Um, but after we spoke, I just, I, the what your approach and having so many markets was great because I was focused more on finding the right partner than finding the right market. So after I found the partner, I felt like with you we could work on the right market versus picking the market, finding the partner for the market, and then having to vet every other market I want to go into. So for me, the transition into turnkey, and we'll probably talk a little bit about my progression from starting turnkey to where I am today, a lot of that's because of kind of the right partnerships and the right investments. And and um, for me, being able to invest passively and not having headaches, not staying up all night, worried about a $5,000 bill that comes in on a place that has a bunch of deferred maintenance, and you know, are my tenants you know qualified and things like that? So that's that's a that was you know that's why I, I got into it. Yeah, I, I think it's important for listeners to understand when we talk about a passive real estate investment, which is the name of this show, passive real estate investing. You're never completely disengaged or disconnected from your investment. You always have to be involved. So even though it may be a quote unquote passive real estate investment, you are still actively involved in overseeing it you, you you need to budget anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour per month you know after you own that property and that could be just you know reviewing statements depositing your check um, updating your quickbooks or your spreadsheet whatever the case is uh, maybe having a, a conversation or a few emails with your property manager but you're never completely hands off or disconnected would you agree with that Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when I, you know, it's funny when I think of passive, a lot of people don't realize active investing can take so much of your time. Um, and to be honest, the 15 minutes to an hour, I probably spent a month. I, I probably spent about an hour ish a month on all my properties. It's time I really enjoy. It's kind of to me, it's the fun stuff. So when I'm evaluating properties, I love kind of the spreadsheet, the evaluating what I want, um, researching markets, researching properties. To me, that's the fun part of it. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, a lot of the, to me, the passive part is someone that has already kind of came in and fixed the place up and remodeled it and have a nice, beautiful place ready to go. I love when I review, you know, the home inspection. And I remember the first home inspection I got back, there was there was nothing 
on the property. I remember it was in uh, Indianapolis and it was completely clean. I'd never seen that before because, you know, the rehab process with a turnkey property, you know, you know what to remodel, you know what to look for. And that alone is a big piece of stress lifted off your shoulders. And then after the purchase, you know, the involvement for me, I always keep track of, you know, obviously rent that comes in, um, looking at, you know, I have different accounts, I have different spreadsheets that I keep track of monthly to, to kind of evaluate the cash flow and evaluate really how they're doing. I get monthly statements from, you know, for each property that I review. And if I have any questions on it, I call the property managers or, or I email them depending what it is. Um, so yeah, you know, we use the word passive. I think of, you know, an hour a month as, as very passive. Um, you know, if you, leave your property there and you don't do anything, um, you know, I mean, that's, you know, you, you, you could kind of miss what's going on with it. And I think it's important to still stay close to it without having to, you know, invest your, and in, 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 without having to turn it into a business yeah. managing it. Yeah. And I asked you the question, you know, why you chose to invest in turnkey properties. I think you, you, you said something without actually saying it, but a lot of clients that we work with, the main reason they choose to work with a company like ours and, and purchase, you know, turnkey properties is because of, of the time factor. They have full-time jobs. Maybe they run a business. They've got a family. They've got, you know, engagements in the evenings and on weekends in terms of, you know, their kid's soccer game or whatever it may be. So it leaves them very little time to actually work on the business of investing in real estate. However, you know, if they, if they work with, you know, a turnkey property provider, and there's many of them across the country, and the majority of them are local. But if you work with a provider, um, they should be able to take you by the hand and provide you with about 70% of the work and the due diligence that is necessary to build your portfolio. Um, so that time is the biggest factor I find a or, you know, we find with our investment counselors that investors come to us and look to work with a company like ours to buy investment property. So time is number one. Two, I would say, is probably uh, lack of knowledge or experience. You know, they, they might be a seasoned investor, but they still need the help. Or they might be a new investor um, and they need to work with someone who can give them good advice, unbiased advice, hold their hand and take them through the process. And I think you fit into that, you know, initial category, even though you've had some experience with, you know, your property in California and then your, your fourplex after that. Um, now you made a comment too, um, about, you know, reputation and working on, uh, I guess you found this online now just for our listeners. So they know you mentioned bigger pockets a few times, bigger pockets is one of several real estate forums online. So there's just a bunch of real estate investors on there, you know, talking and discussing issues and uh, ideas about real estate investing. And so it's, a, it's just an area to learn. And I guess that's where you found us, right? Yeah, that's where I found you. And I, to touch on kind of both those things you just mentioned. So, you know, it's funny because you go on, on a forum and you're trying to learn and research and there's people that have so many different opinions. You know, I look at turnkey as an investment vehicle. It is what it is. I mean, you're getting a, you know, a great property that's ready to go. You're getting a lot of handholding through the due diligence process. You get a lot of, you know, one, one thing I love is getting neighborhood profiles that you provide specifically, um, being able to see 
breakdowns of you know median income and unemployment, things like that, and being able to kind of have these quick snapshot analyses that would take you a really long time to try to do yourself, and all the way down to you know helping to kind of figure out maintenance and vacancy and things like that. So if, as a kind of a funny story, early last year I remember talking with a, a friend of mine about how I was going the turnkey route, and my friend has a full-time job, travels a lot for work as well. And I remember him telling me, he was like, you know, I, he's like, you know, that's, that's not what I want to do. He's like, I want to, he's like, I want to get rich really fast. So he found this opportunity. He said, you know what I'm going to do? He's like, I'm going to buy a place. I want to flip it. I'm going to have some equity in it. And then I want to rent it out. This is his first time ever doing it, by the way. And just out of the blue said, all of a sudden he wanted to be this, you know, experienced hands-on investor. He told me how he was going to make $20,000 off of it. He's going to have a good rental, mm-hmm. everything you can imagine. So he gets finished with the project and headache after headache, his 30 day, you know, rehab took 120 days, uh, ended up having to dump it after that, took him about seven months or so to sell the place, ended up losing a bunch of money on it. Obviously never going the rental route because he just had to dump it and take his losses and then literally called me about it and was like, yeah, you know, maybe you're right about it. <laughs> about kind of the turnkey thing. And I remember telling him, I was like, you know, some investors want to do that. Some people, you know, want that route. They want to be active. They want that as their business. But, you know, that's a very different strategy than Mm -hmm. going the turnkey route. You know, I I told him, I said, I go the turnkey route because I want to pass a place. I want them to take the risk. You know, you guys buy the property. You know, you guys do the rehab. You guys get it ready to go. And then I'll jump in at the end. I'll buy it. I'll rent it out. And that's that's what I want to do. That's where I want to invest. So, you know, a lot of people on a lot of these forums have a lot of different opinions, but you have to realize what is your goal with your investment? You know, how active or passive do you want to be? And you'll find the right fit. But I recommend going into it with the right ideas. I kind of knew I wanted something more passive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was very easy to seek out the best way for me to passive invest. And obviously, ended up being working with you to do it all. Um, But... You know, it's just important to kind of note note the multitude of opinions online and make sure that you're focused on what your goals are and don't let anyone kind of persuade you into taking on whole new levels of risk that you're not prepared for. Yeah. The, the great thing about real estate forums is that there's 100 different opinions. The bad thing about real estate forums is there's 100 different opinions. So, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but you just need to think for yourself. Don't be swayed by other people's experiences um, or, or successes or failures, you know, just gather the information, ask a lot of intelligent questions, educate yourself, you know, build that commodity of knowledge and then invest wisely with the help of a good team. And, you know, that's, that's what we have here with our referral network is a really good team from, you know, builders and rehabbers down to property managers, title companies, inspectors, lenders, etc. And, and, and when you have that good team, uh, then you've got people working, you know, on your side, they're going to make sure that you're successful because their success is dependent upon your success. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So let's talk about the market. You, uh, you invested in Indianapolis first, and I believe you acquired three or four properties right off the bat. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on my numbers. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But um, but you started in Indianapolis and then you moved to Kansas City. You're in escrow on a couple of properties there, and then I believe you're also 
under contract for a fourplex in, in Texas, but that is uh, being tweaked or changed here because that project might not actually get off the ground. But in other case, let's, uh, let's stick to the question. How did you pick your market in the beginning earlier this year? Yeah. So, so to kind of go back to the first thing I mentioned, um, you know, for me, it was finding the right partner to work with. So after, you know, I, I found you and I decided I want to work with you. I remember we had a lot of conversations about the markets and where I wanted to go and what I was looking for. So my first, first market I went to was Indianapolis. I was actually focused on Indianapolis and Kansas City. I like both those markets. And so my, for my first investments, I was really focused on just sheer cash flow. I wanted the highest cash flow, but I also wanted to be in the better neighborhoods. You know, I had that fourplex experience. So I really wanted to be, you know, kind of in those A neighborhoods. For me, it was, you know, I want, I want something where it has, you know, far down. I mean, for me, this is a long-term, these are all long-term holds, but far down the line, you have some type of exit strategy because a homeowner would want want to buy it. Um, and, And also, you know, I know I'm giving up some of the cash flow in turn for some more appreciation and better tenants and less headaches, hopefully. So that that was my kind of guideline. So it led me to Indianapolis because you know when I was first looking, that's where I found those A neighborhoods with the best cash flow, and that's what I focused on. I love Indianapolis. So I bought two at first, and that process went perfectly. I mean, it went so smoothly. Um, we jumped into actually we found I found two more near the end of it, and we jumped into those immediately after. So I did four in Indianapolis in a really quick amount of time. Um, and I'm very happy with those. I, you know, I called the property management company. I talked to other property management companies in the area as part of my due diligence to find out, you know, are these houses what I think they are? Are they in neighborhoods that I think they're in? Is the rental value what I'm expecting? Everyone really confirmed that. And then talking with the property management company there, I decided this is definitely a company that I want to work with. So kind of picked up four really quickly there. And like I said, very happy with those. And then, you know, through more conversations, you know, I, I want to diversify through markets. And one thing I love about working with Narada is that I can diversify very easily. You know, I couldn't imagine saying, okay, now I want to go to Kansas City and then having to figure out who is the turnkey provider there and then having to vet everyone out through the process again versus me and you being able to just have because I already I trust you. Right? We're partners already. I can just give you a call. We can just kind of chat about the market or other markets. So, for me, it was very easy to jump into Kansas City. Same goals. You know, I want the A neighborhoods, high cash flow, a little more. You know, I I, I want to. I like the appreciation aspect of it though as well. I I my philosophy is that the appreciation is important because you always want it to be a wanted property because if it's appreciating means people want to buy there and if people want to buy there people want to rent there so i buy for the cash flow but that's kind of the bonus i almost look at them hand in hand a little bit so that's why i went over to kansas city so we're in escrow on two properties in kansas city and i believe they should be closing next week or so um so that's how i ended up kind of shifting over there uh, and, and I like the Kansas City market. I view it similar to Indianapolis. And for the same reasons I went there, that's why I went to Texas. I live in Texas today. I love the market in Texas. And I think of Texas as you know, a little less cash flow but more appreciation. And um, you know, I think that as long as you have the cash flow and you're going to be cash flow positive with your conservative numbers, then you can invest anywhere you want. You can make any appreciation guess you want as long as there's cash flow and as long as, as you know that. So that's what that's why I went over to Texas, which is a great market, and we've also talked about you know potentially Jacksonville as well. So for me, it's kind of having the diversity of 
kind of jumping around markets and, you know, picking up units and kind of a few different places and kind of diversifying my portfolio. So that's kind of how we kind of how I started and I guess moved around a bit. If long answer to that question. Yeah, no, that's great. And you're whether you know it or not, you're following along with, you know, one of our 10 rules of successful real estate investing, and that is diversify your real estate portfolio, which means you diversify across markets. And a very, very general rule of thumb that we have for our clients is three to five properties in three to five markets, five being the high, three being the low. And you don't have to stop at five properties in every market. But if you are in three different markets, geographically different, uh, geographically separated uh, in other states, then you mitigate your risk because every market is local. They each have their own factors. Uh, drivers and economies. So whatever happens in Indianapolis is going to be different than what happens in Kansas City, which will be different than what happens in San Antonio or whatever market you're investing in as a third market. So as you build your portfolio, you can have three to five or more properties in that one market, and then you go to your next market and your next market. I think three is a great number. I don't think you need more than five, but you're following along you know, that, that strategy and that philosophy quite, quite nicely. Uh, there was another comment I wanted to make about cash flow. Yeah, cash flow, you know, I always say cash flow is the glue that holds your real estate deal together. You know, cash flow is, gives you an immediate return. It's a cash on cash return. It puts it puts money in the bank account, money in your pocket. And you could use that, you can spend it or you could reinvest it, do whatever you need to do with it. But while you have that cash flow, you have an immediate return. And your tenant is now paying off your mortgage for you, which builds equity in the property. And over time, you, in almost every case, will experience appreciation in the property. And that's how your net worth or your wealth is created. It's the, it's the short-term cash flow and the long-term wealth creation. And you know that's what we talk about on the show all the time. So as far as the properties that you chose, Lance, how did you go about picking those properties? Did you kind of stumble along or, or did you set yourself a clear criteria or did you figure it out as you went? The beginning was kind of figuring it out as I went. And I mean, me and you had a lot of conversations about what I ultimately wanted to buy. And eventually I came down to, you know, my criteria ended up being, I want to be in an A neighborhood, but within the A neighborhoods, you have plenty of different pockets and plenty of different types of A neighborhoods. So I wanted to be in an A neighborhood. I really wanted a low unemployment rate and a good median income. I want to see those numbers rising every month as well. Um, and, you know, uh, primarily those are really the factors that that I was looking for out of those areas. You know, and, and with an A neighborhood, you know, you have high homeowners, which for me means, you know, better appreciation and resellability, hopefully. <laughs> And uh, you're, you're, what you're saying is there's a, a high percentage of owner-occupied homes. Yes, that's what I meant. So high percentage of owner-occupied homes. Because in the future, if I ever want to sell, then those people, you know, there's going to be people that want to buy to live there. So it's desirable. To, exactly. I'm not just selling to investors. I'm selling to anyone could buy it. So that to me was important. And then for the same kind of reasons, you get a kind of appreciation with it as well. So I liked that. And from a tenant perspective... You know, I, I like a good school district. You know, I want tenants that come in there, families, right, I, that are going to want to stay for a while. You really make your money on tenants staying for a while, 
not from trying to raise your rent and losing tenants every year. So I want them to want to stay for a long time. In a good school district, you're going to attract good families that are looking, you know, for send their kids to good schools as well. And with those types of tenants, you get people that have good jobs, less, you know, the idea is less evictions, less turnover, all those types of things. So, and all of those things I experienced with my fourplex before, and that helped to define my investment strategy today of how do I get those longer term tenants? Okay. Okay, great. Um, so someone listening to this show, that's a new investor looking to get started in real estate investing, or maybe they've purchased one or two recently or in the past, but they're looking to expand their portfolio and, and they're looking to work with a company like, like Norada real estate. What advice do you have for these investors that are looking to get started or, or to just take their investing to another level? Well, first thing I always say is never make an investment that would keep you up at night. I think that's really important, wherever the investment is. If, if you're not going to sleep at night, just don't make it. So with that said, I would make sure you're really comfortable in, you know, that with the decision you make. So I, I've referred a lot of people to Narada, and I truly believe that, you know, have a call. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, hey, I like, I, you know, I, I need to buy something really quickly. But the call could really be around, hey, you know, what help, you know, what markets should I look at, you know? Let, let Narada advise you and be the partner to help you define what your risk tolerance looks like, right? How much risk do you want to take? You know, do you want to buy $50,000 houses in C neighborhoods in Kansas City? Or do you want to buy, you know, $130,000 houses in A neighborhoods in Kansas City? You know, or do you want to be in a market like Texas? I mean, there's so many different strategies and criteria you can pick to invest in. I, would, I personally would say help, let them help you define what your risk tolerance is, help define the type of neighborhood you want what the rental amounts are, right, for the type of tenants you're going to attract, what market you want to be in for numerous different reasons. And then I think it'll kind of narrow down from there and you'll find the best strategy and you'll feel really comfortable with the decision you make. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, everyone suffers from analysis paralysis. You're going to spend so much time analyzing numbers and, you know, sometimes you'll feel like you'll never find the right deal. Eventually, you got to just jump in. If you already have decided your criteria and you know you're going to buy a turnkey property, you kind of just have to do it. Um, you know, I kind of jumped in. Best decision I've made. The sooner you invest in it, the sooner you start getting cash flow and the sooner you can buy more properties. You know, the longer you wait, if you take a year analyzing deals, a lot of these properties happened to me before. They get picked up really quickly by people. So you have to be confident and your criteria that you select for yourself, and once you and, and once you kind of believe and trust in yourself and your strategy, follow that strategy. Let your strategy work out. You know, you'll see. You know, I like to think of a football team, right? Maybe the Patriots this year. They've been really successful all year. They're going to follow that strategy to the Super Bowl. If they lose the Super Bowl, they're not going to look back and say, "Oh, we should have done something differently." They're going to look back and say, "You know what? We followed the strategy to a T. That's been really successful for us all year." So follow it and believe in kind of the, you know, have conviction in, in what your philosophy is and then own it. And thirdly, become obsessed with it. Become obsessed with real estate. Um, you know, I call Narada all the time to talk about different markets and properties and strategies and long-term goals, short-term goals, things like that. So I've put out the goals for myself. I've become so obsessed with it that I like to become an expert with it and talk with people about it and teach people about it and refer and recommend people about it. But when you become obsessed in something, um, you know, you, you start to 
you know, you start to be able to, I think, to see a, a better long-term vision, a clear-cut, you know, future for yourself. And when you become obsessed with it and set the goals for yourself, it becomes really exciting when you know, hey, I'm, I'm this far out from being financially free or I'm this far out from saying I don't need to work anymore. It doesn't mean you won't. But now, you know, maybe it's cash flow that, that you know, equates to what your income is at work. You know, whatever it is, whatever the goal is that you set for yourself, it starts becoming really exciting. And I, and I think it'll change the way you think about not just your investing but the way you think about life from a day, you know, day to day. And I think that if you ask anyone, you know, what would you do differently over the past 30 or 50 years? You know, I feel like everyone would say, I wish I bought more real estate. Anyone that's owned a, owned real estate over 30 or 50 years. And I think with Turnkey, you have the opportunity to go about investing in the right way with good properties and good cash flow. So, you know, I, I, I suggest people to, you know, just follow, you know, create a strategy, create a criteria, follow the path and kind of jump in and get going. That's uh, all great information. A lot of what you said, Lance, is uh, psychological. Uh, you know, we, I have a client right now. He's, uh, he's not, I think, 19 or 20 years old. He's one of our youngest um, um, investors. He is in the process of closing next week on a duplex in Kansas City. And this property, he waited about a month and a half to actually uh, get to the point where he can close on it because it, it, it was newly acquired. He told me what he wanted. I said, well, we've just picked up this property. It hasn't been renovated yet, but if you're willing to wait, you know, you can have it. Um, but it's going to be a cash cow for him and it's in a great little area. The guy is only 19, 20 years old. He sat down with me one day and he just had all these questions. And a lot of his questions were just getting over the long distance aspect of things. How do I how do I know what I'm getting if I'm an armchair investor? How do I do my research and due diligence? And I'm sure there are people who say, how can you possibly live in one state and invest in another? So let me throw that question out to you. I don't know if you've had this experience or if it even was a problem, but how do you get over the long distance or you know the out-of-state investing objection if it even is one? You know, I think a lot of it comes down to trust, right? So, you know, after you identify your criteria and you find a property that you're looking to buy in the due diligence phase, what I did was I called a lot of different property management companies and I asked all of them, hey, I'm looking at this uh, house. Here's the address. What's the neighborhood like? You know, what's the you know, average you know, person in the neighborhood like? Um, you know, what type of people are living there or families? You know, I'd verify the school district. I'd verify the rent. Um, things like that. So I, to me, you know, when I talk to five other property management companies and I get the same answer from all of them, for me, that's what I needed from a trust perspective to really trust it. I also, you know, I dig in on Google Maps, I like to see where it is. I like to see, you know, the street view, kind of look around the neighborhood, see what it looks like. You get a really good feel for those neighborhoods. So that's the first piece in terms of out-of-state investing. And it's funny, you know, when I first started researching uh, turnkey investing, I lived in Los Angeles. Um, you know, since then, you know, in the past year, in the past year, I've lived in Los Angeles, Park City, Utah, Austin, Texas, and now Dallas, Texas. So I've moved a bunch, and I rent. I personally rent, um, and you know, I'll, I'll own seven properties in, in a week. I'll be at seven properties, and for me. You know, I like that I can rent and I can move around and I can do what I want and I'm not necessarily tied down anywhere and I can move for work and I have no house tie down, but I love that I can own 
real estate and be part of the real estate investment in other areas where it really does make sense. So kind of a long answer to your question, but that, that's how I personally have, have felt about it. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a process and, and we call it a top-down approach. You know, a lot of investors start off by looking at the property. Here's a good deal. The numbers look great. Uh, but, oh, by the way, it's it's in a, you know, a dilapidated area or a bit of a war zone, you know, in the heart of Detroit or, I mean, not to pick on Detroit specifically, but, you know, there's, there's a, such a focus on the property itself and the numbers, but it really starts at the very top and it's like a funnel. It all begins with the psychology. What's between your ears? You know, do you, you know, do you have the desire and the motivation and, and can you, bring yourself to working with people that can help you achieve your goals. And then, you know, you define what are my goals? You, every investor has to have some level of defined um, goals that they're trying to achieve. And then from there, you'll know what your strategy is. And then you start choosing markets. And then after you've decided on a market, then with your team, you start looking at specific neighborhoods and property combinations. And then you do your due diligence on uh, what kind of neighborhood is that, you know, is that, property in and what are the numbers on that property and you talk to the property management company so this all comes down like a funnel starts very broad at the top and then it works its way down to specific properties you eventually get to a point where you say okay i found the right market the right neighborhood the right property the right team and that's the property i want to buy so now you put that property under contract and that process could take days that process could take weeks but that's how you knock knock these properties off one at a time and add them to your portfolio and I think that's exactly the process you went through with, without actually knowing that, you know, you were doing it. Yeah. You know, cause we, you know, I, I, um, I tried to buy other properties before I ended up buying the properties I did buy. And I remember when we were under contract on them, my criteria completely changed. I started doing due diligence and the property wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. You know, the numbers were exactly as I thought they would be. But as I really researched and thought more and looked at neighborhood profiles, I said, you know, that's not exactly what I want to be in. Higher cash flow, sure, but not the type of tenants I wanted to deal with, not the type of appreciation I wanted to see. Um, and I think that's totally, you know, totally natural as well as part of the due diligence process and finding out, you know, what, you know, where you want to invest and what you're, you know, what you want your portfolio to look like. And like I said, once you define what that criteria is, you'll know. Yep. Yep. No, I remember you doing that. And and I think you're not alone there. I, a lot of our clients will start off by saying, well, I, I want a property in this particular market and I'm looking for this type of cash flow. I mean, they'll have a very, very basic definition of, um, you know, their criteria, but as they start going through the process, they start to realize, okay, well, maybe that's not exactly what I want. I want something over here with this, you know, this cap rate, these numbers in an A minus or B plus neighborhood. So it, it does change as you start to open your eyes and look at the different possibilities and options that are out there. And that's what we help people do anyway. So, you know, they come to us not knowing exactly what they want to do, but, you know, through conversation and asking questions, um, all that stuff gets defined. Absolutely. And actually, what's funny is after, I mean, you really were a big part in helping me define what my criteria was. And after it was defined, I remember, I mean, still to this day, I always send you a list of properties and I want to see neighborhood profiles. I look at numbers, I look at the grade of the neighborhood. 
and you still respond to me today and say, I don't like this one for you. I don't like this one for you. Oh, this is my favorite one for you. I know you kind of handpick them out. And I think that's really unique because these are properties that you offer that fit criteria for certain investors. And you know, hey, this doesn't fit Lance's criteria. So you always tell me, you pull it out and say, hey, I know you're interested in this, but this is this is this is not your criteria. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if I wanted wanted to, if, if I changed my criteria, criteria or anything, I could. But I really like that aspect of it because I think we've built that kind of partnership where you understand me, I understand you, and I trust that you understand me. And now you know we kind of get to handpick them together, and I think that's really nice as well, having that type of partner, and that's kind of part of the handholding process that. That's one of my favorite parts about it, actually. Yeah. Well, no, you're great. You're great to work with. You're a lot of fun and, and easy to work with. So it's it's been a good relationship. So Lance, in wrapping up here, what else would you like to share with our listeners or or provide them in terms of tips, advice, or direction? Because you've been through this process and and you know you're 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 acquiring property very quickly. You know, in one year, you're going to be at six, seven properties yeah yeah so seven yeah so what what else would you like to share with our listeners in terms of tips advice suggestions whatever um you know on top of everything i've kind of already mentioned um you know i i I personally i you know i'm not as investment advice necessarily but i personally believe real estate is the best investment vehicle for me and that's what i've decided and that's why i'm jumping in and jumping in aggressively you know I, i took plenty of time to decide that real estate was the route I wanted to go, you know, it went from being a piece of my portfolio. And then this year I tried to turn it into my portfolio. So, you know, on my end, that's, that's what I love. And there's never been anything investment wise I've been more passionate about than real estate. So for anyone listening, that's wondering if they're on the fence about real estate investing, you know, Conorada, you know, I think, I think you should jump in and start, start learning about it and defining you know, what, how you want to invest and what your investment style looks like. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the best advice I could give. If someone's listening to this, it's something they're interested in. And, you know, I just would love to give my recommendation, uh, you know, wholeheartedly, just like I refer so many of my close friends and family to Narada to give them a call and, and, and get started with the process. It's never too soon. And, you will learn so much from just talking live with Narada and finding out what you're looking for. You, you know, you'll find out so much more just by picking up the phone and calling than you would on the forums and taking a lot of time with research. You know, I mean, they're both good. You, you need to do the research as well. But if you're on the fence, oh, I don't know if I'm ready yet, just give them a call. It's no big deal. I mean, there's no pressure. It's, you know, it's, it's good to learn and talk about markets and start getting excited about this stuff. Well, I appreciate all the kind words. And just to piggyback on that, we don't really push it or advertise it too heavily, but we always have offered a free strategy session and we'll probably start advertising that here soon. But, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they want to have, you know, a no obligation, uh, free consultation, you know, just give us, give one of our investment counselors a call and, you know, take 15 minutes of your time and we can just talk through what you're trying to achieve and what you're thinking and, you know, give you kind of a dose of, of reality and direction and whether you choose to work with us or not, that's completely fine. But at least, you know, you'll know more after that 15 minute call than you would have or that you did prior to. So, but yeah, I appreciate all the kind words, Lance. You're, you're a a great inspiration for many and a good model client. So uh, it's, it's been just great working with you. 
I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. So there you have it. Lance is a great client, an aggressive investor, a young guy who's getting it done the right way at an early age. I hope you got a few nuggets of information and some tidbits and tips from this episode. Uh, if you have any questions about what we talked about today or questions for future episodes, be sure to email us, fill out the contact form on our website, or just send us a voicemail through the website. There's a little app on the right side. Uh, be sure to download our free report if you haven't done so already. It's the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing. It's chock full of great information. If you're new to this podcast, please remember to subscribe. You're going to get free content every week. And uh, we would love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you do that, we're going to drop one of our free mugs in the mail for you. It's our Keep Calm and Invest On coffee mug. Uh, it's actually uh, growing on me. I, I I'm liking it more and more every day. So um, I'd be happy to send one to you at no charge. Just uh, uh, post that review and send us an email to reviews at noradarealestate.com. You can find that in the show notes as well. And again, thanks for listening. We love having you here. We do this every week and we look forward to future episodes for you. So we'll see you on the next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.